number one show on pop culture and politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day, another great weekend in this greatest nation on God's green earth. Great weekend because it allows us to uh, combine the regular weekend days with the 4th of July. And some people making it a two-day holiday. On Monday and Tuesday, we will uh, be here for you next week, but we're here for you right now to ask about why is this 4th of July so particularly ominous for so many people? Uh, There's a startling study, it just broke today. This is from the University of Chicago Institute of Politics and the Benenson Strategy Group and Public Opinion Strategies. It's an authoritative poll. Uh, And they have titled the release of the study, Our Precarious Democracy. Extreme polarization and alienation in our politics as Independence Day approaches. More than one in four Americans are so alienated from their government that they believe it may, quote, quote, soon be necessary to take up arms against it. According to the new poll released today by the University of Chicago's Institute of Politics. That startling finding, which comes in the midst of congressional hearings into the January 6th insurrection at the U.S. Capitol, was just one of several reflections of the dangerous level of estrangement many Americans feel from each other and our democratic institutions. And uh, by the way, there is one thing about people who say that, well, the hearings don't matter. The uh, hearings with Cassidy Hutchinson. Uh, earlier this week on Tuesday, actually ended up getting 13 million viewers. And which for a daytime broadcast, which it was, is remarkable. Even the fact that it was covered on so many uh, networks. And there's all kinds of evidence that one of the things that is upsetting people is, and people not just on the left, it's people in the center and it's people on the right uh, is the the fact that on something as basic as a respect for our election processes, uh, people are deeply, deeply divided. Uh, we will be talking about the 4th of July and this particular 4th of July and the threat of armed rebellion against the government. What issues would you follow on that armed rebellion? I also want to speak a little bit about some good news And uh, it's really good news for those who want to see America not get involved in a civil war, not see our democracy collapse, not abandon the greatest system of government, the most successful system of government by far ever established by human beings. And if you don't realize that that is what the United States represents, uh, then you, you just have not studied our history, or most of all, world history, which is full of uh, tragedy and destruction and disappointment and heartbreak, with America being, as what uh, Abraham Lincoln said, the last best hope of Earth. Uh, we, um, we are going to be talking today also a little bit about, uh, is 4th of July a vexed holiday? We're going to be speaking about a democratic plan, which is unfolding across the country. Everybody knows that Democrats are facing a very, very tough series of elections. 
And what they have been doing in states like Illinois and Colorado and Nevada and all across the country now is sending money to Republicans. But which Republicans are getting Democratic money? You know which ones? The ones who are great big election deniers, people who say that Joe Biden didn't really win the presidency and the election of 2020 was a fraud and what we have to do is reinstall somehow through some elaborate scheme President Trump uh, almost immediately. In other words, why would Democrats be funding candidates like that? And the answer is because they know they can't win in November. And uh, is this uh, an ethical or even legal campaign strategy when you're actually funding people in the opposition's primaries? We'll be talking about that with uh, John Fund. And um, he has a new book called Our Broken Elections, How the Left Changed the Way You Vote. Uh, We'll also be um, uh, talking a little bit about um, the ongoing effort to deal with the crime rate which together with inflation and the economy and the cost of gas and the cost of groceries and the other difficulties that people are going through in this country, it's uh, the crime on the street, not just the mass shootings, but the level of shootings in general. Is that uh, gun bill, the gun safety bill, so-called, that was bipartisan, is that bill going to make any positive difference? Is there more that government could do? I uh, will be talking with that about that with a former veteran FBI agent and crime stopper who has been uh, researching and looking at this issue for years and years. And we'll also be talking about the real villain that pro-choicers, uh, people who love abortion. And, and by the way, I didn't believe it when I started reading about people who were demonstrating against the Dobbs decision and against the Supreme Court. I didn't believe that there were actually people out there wearing uh, T-shirts that said, I love abortion, or I love my abortion. And uh, then I looked it up, and you can buy such T-shirts, not from the Michael Medved show, thank you very much, but you can buy them on the Internet. They're, They're all over. Either version, I love abortion or I love my abortions, and uh, that uh, is $22.60. Now, how they arrived at that price for this uh, stylish garment. Um, again, how do you bring the country together? What is the good news around which we can actually coalesce? And I believe that news is there. We will be talking about that as well. Uh, meanwhile, at the very beginning, let's take a listen to David Axelrod, who was, of course, the main campaign guru uh, for Barack Obama and helped him win two terms as president. And remember, Barack Obama won majority votes and pretty comfortable majorities in both of his campaigns. Uh, David Axelrod, however, acknowledges that this could be a very tough election season for Democrats. Listen, this is clip three. If you were looking at the chart, you'd say the vitals are not good. The president's approval ratings at 38 percent. His economic ratings are low. Consumer confidence is down. The number that you uh, mentioned. The one thing that I don't know 
is how this uh, <clears throat> ruling by the Supreme Court last week is going to affect things. I've heard from people all over the country who've been doing focus groups and polling this week, and it really does seem to have galvanized people, and not just about this issue, but concerns about Republicans uh, and extremism. And, uh, you know, if I were a Republican strategist, I'd be a little bit worried about that right now. Uh, I, I don't think we fully understand what the political impact is going to be, uh, but that is one countervailing fact. But on the basic numbers, you're absolutely right, and I think everybody recognizes that this, uh, at current course and speed, this could be a very painful fall for Democrats. And the one thing that Republicans can do regarding the abortion issue is because, first of all, make it clear to everybody that the Dobbs case didn't um, uh, basically ban a single abortion, not one, not anywhere. What it did was it gave states more latitude to regulate abortion in the way they choose to. And the difficulty about all this hysteria, it seems to me, is not that it shows distrust for the Supreme Court. It shows Americans distrusting one another. And that's also indicated very powerfully in uh, this new poll. We will get to that and to more uh, on The Medved Show coming right up. 1-800-955-1776. Sign up today for our free weekly newsletter at michaelmedved.com. Your outlet for outrage. It's outrageous what's going on out here. It's The Michael Medved Show. It's a tremendous, tremendous thing, and I'm telling you, it's going to explode. The Michael Medved Show. So, yeah, born in the USA and uh, one of the greatest blessings of my life. In fact, uh, next to my marriage and my wonderful wife of 37 years, uh, I, I would say that being born in the USA is uh, my number one blessing. And it was number one blessing for my father whose uh, mother had just come a, a year before his birth. She had reunited with her husband after being trapped in Ukraine, which was... Uh, Ukraine has always had such a bloody and difficult history, though, way to go, they recaptured Snake Island. And this is a big deal because they did that because they got the Russians to abandon that very strategic island in the Black Sea, by using the brand new, freshly arrived American weapons, uh, which have done the trick. That seems to be an important development. Um, there is um, a, a great deal about the 4th of July that needs to get across to people. 
I mean, first of all, what it means, I, I will never forget here, there was a summertime uh, years ago when uh, our son, Danny Medved, was in high school, and he was working, uh, kind of working, uh, as an intern on the radio show, and we sent him out with a tape recorder to go talk to people on the street in downtown Seattle about what the 4th of July was commemorating. And it was incredible how few people knew. By the way, I, this is a trick, not a trick question. The 4th of July, which used to be called Independence Day, commemorates the birthday of the United States. That's the way we just explained it to our five-year-old granddaughter, Julia. And uh, it's the birthday of the United States. So what was it before? It was a part of another country. And it became a brand new country and a much better country. And in fact, the best country in the world, starting with that birthday that people knew at the time they signed the declaration would be celebrated in the future. And through some kind of who knows how, uh, John Adams even uh, projected that it would be celebrated with fireworks, illuminations, he called it in the letter home to his wife, Abigail, from the Continental Congress that had just voted this epic new beginning. Okay, uh, that's why it's so alarming when you read that a majority of Americans agree that our government is corrupt and rigged against everyday people like me. Among people who describe themselves as strong Republicans, 73% agree with that. That the government is corrupt and rigged against everyday people like me. I mean, the question I would ask, in what sense do you believe the government is rigged against you? And why should it help anyone to oppress everyday people? The uh, a bare majority, 51% of voters who call themselves very liberal, also agreed. Overall, two-thirds of Republican and independent voters agree that the government is corrupt and rigged against them, while Democrats are evenly split. Okay, this is alarming in this country. What, uh, what element of the government is uh, rigged against you? and corrupt and basically stealing from you to give to some kind of malevolent elite. With a debate raging about the integrity of our elections, a majority, 56%, say they generally trust the elections to be conducted fairly and counted accurately. But that view is very divergent by party. Four in five Democrats, 78%, say they generally trust our elections to be fair and accurate, Half of independent voters trust the elections to be fair and accurate, but only 33% of Republicans agree. Uh, among those who reported voting for Donald Trump in 2020, the number who say they generally trust elections is 31%. Now, don't those two things go together? The idea that you think the government is corrupt and is rigged against everyday people like me and the fact that you don't trust elections? And this one is heartbreaking uh, nearly half of Americans, 49%, agreed that, quote, more and more they feel like a stranger in my own country. 69% of strong Republicans and 65% who 
who call themselves very conservative leading the way. Fully 38% of strong Democrats agreed. Now, how can strong Democrats and strong Republicans both feel like strangers in their own country? Uh, 28% of voters, 37% who have guns in their homes agree that it may be necessary at some point soon for citizens to take up arms against the government. Okay, let that sink in. If you believe that's true, if you're part of the one-third of uh, people, particularly more than one-third of people who have guns in their homes who think it may be soon necessary to take up arms against the government, what's the issue that would do that? I mean, this abortion issue is... is uh, fraught, it's painful, it's very divisive. Uh, people have passionate feelings about it on both sides. Uh, but how how would you deal with that issue? You're not liking the new Supreme Court decision or maybe even not liking a new abortion regulation that was put forward in your state? How would taking up arms help to protect life or health or women's liberty or or any of the issues that people say they care about most deeply uh the whole idea right now about america feeling americans feeling like they're strangers in their own country some of it comes from the lack of old-fashioned patriotism uh there's a comment uh that was a broadcast uh, very widely and uh, on cable television that uh, that right now the 4th of July should be a time for mourning rather than celebration. And what exactly are we mourning? Uh, we will be talking about democratic attempts to manipulate elections. Nothing illegal apparently, but really dubious. Uh, spending lots of money, hundreds of millions of dollars to back right-wing Republican candidates they think will definitely lose. We'll be right back on The Medved Show. Join in your daily dose of debate. I listen to you occasionally when I'm driving. turns my stomach every time I do. The Michael Medved Show. Michael Medved show uh, voting fraud is a big issue in America right now and uh, with a lot of focus on uh, recent past elections but there's a, a bit of trickery going on I'm not sure it's illegal in fact uh, it probably should be but we can get to that but it's trickery involving basically masquerades and masquerades of uh, Democrats putting literally hundreds of millions of dollars, this is no pocket change anymore, into promoting uh, basically dead duck uh, GOP candidates in primaries. They are trying to choose the 
people they get to run against and they assume beat. Uh, in National Review, uh, John Fund has written about this. I've talked about it a little bit with you. And it applies to not just one state, but to many, uh, to Nevada, to uh, Illinois, to Colorado, uh, and across the country. To talk about this, somebody who knows about elections and election law, he is the author of a brand new book, Our Broken Elections, How the Left Changed the Way You Vote. Uh, we'll talk about that as well. John Fund, who is a national affairs columnist for National Review, worked for the Wall Street Journal for more than two decades. Uh, John, this strategy that we were talking about, well, it just worked in Illinois, right? I mean, to reelect Governor Pritzker. Uh, they promoted a, a very, very uh, right-wing Republican candidate who believed in the stolen election and uh, believed in various conspiracy theories, and the Democrats sent um, millions of dollars putting it up at odds for him in the primary. Uh, that, uh, is this going to work out for Governor Pritzker, do you think? Well, Illinois is a very Democratic state because so many conservative voters have fled the country. <laughs> they fled to um, Florida, they fled to Texas. Uh, they fled to neighboring Indiana. They've even fled to Seattle, which they find more conducive in a business climate, and that's saying a lot. No personal uh, income tax, no state income tax. Exactly, exactly. So the real issue here is not whether it should be illegal. I doubt that you could craft a law that would clear free speech um, barriers. But just the sheer hypocrisy. The Democrats say that these very candidates are dangerous to democracy, um, they are conspiracy theorists. They're people who are dangerous, that they flirted with militias. Uh, they're part of an insurrection. QAnon. Uh, they're just, QAnon. They, they're bad people. They're so bad that the Democrats want to spend tens of millions of dollars electing them in their primaries so they think they're easier to beat. Well, you know what? This is going to be a wave election. Some of those people, and by the way, some of those people are not nearly as bad as they say they are, are going to win. So these are the, at the, with one side of your mouth, you say, these people are fascists. And the other side of your mouth, please vote for them. And the other question of hypocrisy that comes up, and we've posted your piece on desperate Democrats, metal, and GOP primaries. One of the other aspects of hypocrisy is Democrats are always condemning the role of money in politics, and they want to has see the Supreme Court overturn Citizens United and uh, all of a sudden put stricter limitations on what you spend. But no limitations on you spending your campaign money to help somebody else's campaign who's in the other party. Is, is that uh, what we're to understand? Well, Democrats love to say we're against dark money, we're against all of these people who are shadowy and in the background spending money, but all of the spending you just talked about, Michael, is dark money. Democrats probably spend five, six, seven times as much dark money as Republicans, and that's not because Republicans are more virtuous, they just have more shadowy billionaires willing to pony up. So the Democrats are now the rich man's party, the rich man's party of dark money. And what I find just astonishing is that they're basically saying there's good money and bad money. And good money in politics is money that's spent for virtuous stuff that they believe in, and bad money is spent by evil people who believe in bad things. 
Yeah, the, the one of the things that uh, that again you raise so much of politics now seems to be what can you raise money on, and that tends to make things more extreme than they should be. I mean, one of the things that struck me, I've just been looking at public polling on the abortion issue. And, uh, for instance, almost all Americans, it's 71%, according to the most recent Gallup poll, believe there should be no ability to get abortions other than protecting the life of the mother in the last trimester, in the last three months. That's a broad area of agreement. And uh, even higher numbers of people believe that uh, there should be general availability of abortion in the first three months. And this is what uh, a lot of the the abortion laws in Florida and in Georgia and elsewhere that they've put forward now uh, would have. And yet all you hear about is the extremes because the extremes of abortion as a sacred human right or abortion is the Holocaust those extremes is what you can raise money on. Don't you think that's well, part of what's going on? I think it's often most of what's going on. The, the frightened people to death wing is in both camps, and it's filled with a bunch of grifters, people who aren't actually spending the money on things that people would actually want to spend on. Uh, abortion is a highly emotional issue, and therefore uh, lots of people respond you know, dramatically to it, give their money, they would be very disappointed if they learned how it was being spent. Look, Michael, the thing that we you have to understand is this issue is solved in different ways in different countries. In Europe, in Scandinavia, over 90% of the abortions, in Sweden it's 97%, are handled by people taking abortion pills. There's almost no abortions in clinics anymore throughout parts of Europe. In Europe, a majority of these cases are handled with abortion pills. In America, it's over 60%. Nobody tells you that. Now, what does that mean? I'm not advocating in favor of abortion pills, but they're only used in the first 10 to 15 weeks, which is you know, basically the first trimester. And that is something that you're not going to get a government to break down people's doors and find out if they have white pills in their medicine cabinet. This is going to be handled state by state, but in the end, it's going to break down pretty much like you said. There's going to be clear protection for the fetus in the last trimester, and there will be a much more relaxed attitude, even in states that have banned abortion at certain stages, and there will gradually be a national uneasy compromise. Yeah, I, I believe that to be true. And uh, I Basically, the other issue, if we can get back to it, and I'm sorry, I was the one who misled us. Can you hang on for a moment? Because I'd like to talk a little bit about your book. And uh, the new book is called Our Broken Elections, How the Left Changed the Way You Vote. A lot of people, according to other polling, uh, particularly Republicans, think our elections are broken and that they are not reliable and that they are corrupt and that they are uh, facilitating cheating of all kinds. The question I would put down is what within the realm of feasibility could a new Republican Congress uh, with majorities on both sides or a new Republican president after 2024 do to constructively uh, improve uh, American elections and restore some of the lost public confidence. This um, new uh, Institute of Politics, University of Chicago, uh, Berenson, Benenson Strategy Group poll shows that um, 
that the 56% of people generally trust elections to be conducted fairly and counted accurately, but uh, among uh, Republicans, it's, um, it's only a minority who believe that. So how do you restore confidence in our electoral process? We'll talk to somebody who's been studying this for decades, really, since uh, I was a child. Uh, John Fund of the National Review, coming back on The Medved Show. Your outlet for outrage. It is outrageous what you are saying. The Michael Medved Show. This is outrageous. Michael Medved Show, a pleasure to welcome back a National Review, National Affairs columnist, uh, John Fund, author of the new book, Our Broken Elections, How the Left Changed the Way You Vote. Uh, John, two-part question. Uh, number one, how did our elections get broken or, or break? And number two, how do we fix it? If I could give Congress the power to do anything, it wouldn't be much, because our elections have to be run on the state and local level. That's what the Constitution says. I would say that Congress would beef up the federal provision that says if you take any federal money to improve your election systems, you have to clean up your voter registration rolls. Our voter registration rolls are a disgrace. No one would use them for anything. Uh, 15 to 20 percent of the registrants in almost every state are dead, moved out of state, moved to another address, don't exist. Uh, It's a disgrace. And it makes it a whole lot easier to commit voter fraud if someone wants to because you don't have an accurate list to work off of. Secondly, uh, I think the COVID pandemic really damaged the integrity of the 2020 election. We had people say immediately, as soon as COVID hit, we can't have voting in November in person. Uh, People are going to be dying in the streets. So we have to change the laws without consulting the legislature, have to have emergency orders issued by health directors and governors, that everybody can vote by mail, and there's almost no safeguards against uh, misuse of that. And that's what happened. So we don't know what really happened in the 2020 election because a lot of the safeguards, signature verification, uh, and a lot of the sloppiness, because there was a tsunami of mail-in ballots came in, and many of them were just waved through. I don't believe that what Donald Trump said after the election in, in order to raise $500 million uh, to stop the steal was accurate. I think he relied on very poor ju- judgmental lawyers, and uh, I think he made some stuff up. But that doesn't mean the 2020 election was a good election. It means we have a warning sign. We need to put mail-in voting back in its place so it's used by people who really need it. We need to expand early voting if there are people who want to vote before the election. But we don't want early voting a month before the election. We want it maybe 10 days or two weeks after the debates are finished. And if we did just those things, plus made sure that people have to put down the first last four digits of their Social Security number or their driver's license number on their absentee ballot, uh, which would cut down dramatically the potential for fraud, and, and end ballot harvesting, um, then we would have a 
how do you end uh, ballot harvesting, which uh, is already illegal in some states, isn't it? Over 30 states it's illegal. Yeah. Uh, California banned it until 2018. Uh, ballot harvesting is just bad news. Uh, state after state has found that it's not necessary. By the way, voter turnout in California was pathetically low this year, even with ballot harvesting. People don't vote if they don't think they're good candidates running. That's the primary reason they tell people. They don't think their vote makes a difference or they're not satisfied with the choices. Instead, we constantly try to make it easier to people to vote, and that simply lowers the pe- people's confidence in the process because, as the poll you cited indicates, people think, gee, you know, all these ballots are floating around. Uh, I don't believe the result is necessarily going to be accurate, so I'm not going to vote. So ex- doing this kind of willy-nilly mass expansion of voting can have counterproductive effects. Well, here's the, here's the question, John. We had a record turnouts in most states. I don't know what the, the specific numbers are in California, but generally the people who've looked at this historically, this was the highest turnout we've had in a presidential election since 1908, which was a Taft versus Bryant. And a uh, long time ago. So why, given the fact that there were a lot of dissatisfaction expressed on both candidates, on both Biden and Trump, why did we have such a, a big turnout? Are you suggesting? Well, well, Go ahead. I'm, I'm speaking of the low voter turnouts in the primaries so far this year. The okay. turnout has been low right. in the primaries. In the 2020 election, you had two candidates who were very polarizing. And Donald Trump certainly drove voter turnout, both for him and against him. I would say it was a Trump election, and Biden was mostly in the basement. That did bring out people. It was more of a negative reaction to the choice uh, than anything else. But it did bring out people. And, of course, we had a tsunami of mail-in voting um, in some places, because the, literally the guardrails were just dropped temporarily for COVID. In general, though, You cannot show that having this dramatic expansion of voting without adequate safeguards drives up voter turnout consistently. I guarantee you the 2022 midterms are not going to have a high turnout. Trump is not on the ballot, and for his own good, Biden is not on the ballot. Well, yeah, Biden on the ballot, given the uh, fact that his approval ratings in the 30s and some places show the low 30s, it's uh, problematic. You were speaking about the lack of exciting candidates, people, candidates who can inspire people. I know that so far in 2022, the uh, and it was actually 2021, the most inspiring candidate most people thought was Glenn Youngkin, who has been doing a pretty good job as governor of Virginia. And he did boost turnout. Yeah, and and a good, solid, mainstream Republican. Uh, who's a prospect for an exciting candidate who's going to drive turnout and uh, attract more attention? Who's on the ballot somewhere, anywhere this time? Well, we'll wait for the election results, but I think you're going to find people from um, Governor DeSantis in, in Florida, Governor um, Abbott in Texas. Uh, there will be several of the Republican governors, and possibly... Uh, some Democratic governors who will drive turnout up, who, who people are going to reward because they feel that their state is what was well-governed and got through the pandemic well. Uh, Gavin Newsom just won his Democratic primary, one of the lowest turnouts ever. I mean, he may have survived the recall in California, Michael, but it wasn't because people were happy with his stewardship of California. They were just 
more frightened uh, about the boogeyman that they turned Larry Elder into in the commercials. What um, What about the reports that apparently have been confirmed that uh, Gavin Newsom is taking out ads for his reelection in Florida? Why is he doing that? Well, ambition is Gavin Newsom's middle name, but he does have a problem. He has already said publicly, well, of course I wouldn't run against Kamala Harris if she were running for president. After all, she's the former senator. She's from California. I wouldn't do that. Uh, I suspect he may regret some of that because when he said it, he didn't realize that Joe Biden was going to be going into the toilet in the polls and that Kamala Harris was, was becoming the, the latest example of the Peter Principle, which is you rise to your level of incompetence and then you continue to be incompetent. Uh, so I think Gavin Newsom wants to run. He just has to figure out a way to do it without embarrassing himself or making it look like he's pushing Kamala Harris, who's, of course, both a minority and a woman out of the way. Meanwhile, I guess he's uh, there are lots of Californians who have decamped and, and left for Florida, uh, and maybe they're on vacation, so maybe he's trying to get those California votes. Uh, well, if they're, if they're living in Florida and he wants them to vote in California, there's a name for that. It's called voter fraud. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that's uh, the basis for it's more than $100,000 he's spending on these ads, and it's, it is one of the... weird it's weird. a it's a weird uh, election time period. What what about some of the? Uh, do, does it look like this this democratic scheme that we started talking about about uh, trying to send money or spend money to promote Republicans who you're sure to lose? Who's the most likely of the Republicans to surprise, bite back at the Democrats, and make them pay a cost for their meddling? Well, actually, most attempts so far, we haven't finished all the primaries, have failed. They failed both in Colorado. They failed three times in Colorado. They failed in the Secretary of State's office, the governor's race, and the U.S. Senate race. Uh, the only signal success they seem to have had is Illinois, and there the Republican candidate who they didn't want to run against, he turned out actually in the end to be a dud. He had real problems in his stewardship of, as the mayor of Aurora, Illinois, and he uh, he didn't excite people. He he would almost he came in third. He almost certainly would have lost even without that spending. And so I think their strategy is interesting and Machiavellian. But you know Machiavelli was not always right. Sometimes he failed. Uh, that's John Fund, who knows his uh, history, American and uh, Italian, uh, with uh, Nicola Machiavelli. Uh, when uh, we come back, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the 4th of July and the reported decline in patriotism. Uh, what is there that is worth celebrating and emphasizing in the United States, even on that tremendously controversial and explosive issue of abortion? We will also be talking about um, the uh, way to deal with bringing the crime rate down. If there is one thing that Americans seem to be unanimous in their concern about, other than high gas prices and inflation, it is public safety, which is a basic priority for this greatest nation 